From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to the Total SF Podcast, and welcome to the intro, Tom Tolbert. Peter, how are you? I am fantastic. Um, I brought a lot of stuff into your house here. Um, I've got two backpacks. A lot of cool pictures. Uh, yeah, I hope nobody in your family thinks I'm trying to move in. <laughs> uh, I wanted to get the conversation off to a good start, though, so I brought what has to be one of your greatest games. Do you remember Thursday, December 20th, 1989, against the Houston Rockets? You got a, a team-high 43 minutes. I think you got 24 points. Three or four assists in there, too. Um, do you dream of games like that? I, you know, that was the first big game that I had. And the fact that it was against Akeem, uh-huh. and I think Akeem torched me for like 40. So <laughs> We're like, not going to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, okay, let's talk about the good stuff. Listeners can't hear that. Yeah, it yeah. was, it was, it just felt good. Like, I didn't even take a lot of shots at that game. I think I was 9 for 11 in that game. So I didn't get a lot of field goal attempts, but I was making everything. And they were mostly jumpers. And yeah, you're thinking, wow. I'm doing this against the Rockets. I'm I'm doing it against Akeem and and just keep this thing rolling. And then, you know, after that, you just feel like, hey, I can play. Although I do remember watching it on uh, a DVD somebody sent me, and it was a Houston it was a Houston broadcast, uh-huh. which is weird. But I got the Houston broadcast, and I can't remember his name, but the Houston. Uh, play-by-play man said hey if you haven't heard of tom tolbert get in line neither have i (laughs) and i think that was after i scored like 12 or 14 i had like 10 more points after that so they they were as surprised as anybody i I didn't think i wasn't that surprised but uh to say i wasn't surprised at all to be doing that well and playing that many minutes uh maybe a little bit but i did enjoy it yes yeah well i wanted to start off with a good memory but these won't all be softball questions um i have a chronicle story where you get thrown out on christmas eve uh yeah that was a beauty i'm gonna be sharing that on twitter that was a beauty and uh we'll talk about your first days in the bay area what kept you here a little bit of alameda we're both alameda residents and we'll take a look through the chronicles minute bowl files and share a few minute bowl memories are you ready tom are those uh, those going to be like the X-Files? <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> I'm Peter Hartlob here with Tom Tolbert, and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Welcome, Tom Tolbert. Normally, this is where I welcome you to the San Francisco Chronicle, but um, we're we're at your house in Alameda. I should welcome you to my house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I kind of like this because 97% of these podcasts I record in the basement of the Chronicle, but uh, I live in Alameda and you live in yep. Alameda, so I'm like, well, maybe we could just do it here. Perfect. I think this is going to just be the Alameda podcast now. Like, okay. I'm just going to interview uh, Ray Ratto. Perfect. Mrs. Fields, yep. I think, lives here. <laughs> um, yeah. Make it easy on yourself. Yeah, definitely. So welcome to the Alameda podcast, Tom Tolbert. Um, wanted to get you on. I've wanted to get you on for a while. I've been listening to you since Jim Rome. So, um, That's a while. Yeah. And, and people have written about you. You know, it seems like every step of your career... Whether it's you know going to KNBR, some transition with a new host, you had a health scare. Yep. 
I have, I, I want to go back though and okay. kind of figure out how you ended up in the Bay Area and got here because you're uh, uh, Orange County guy. Uh, it's okay. Uh, I, I, I think I was. I think it was L.A. County because it was Long Beach. Yeah, but I was close to Orange County, about five six minutes away from Orange County. Spent a lot of time. In Orange County, so we were right or the Lakewood, California, which is probably five minutes from uh, one part of Long Beach or another. Yeah, were you coming up to the Bay Area when you were a kid? Did you? Yeah, kind of my know aunt this lives area? here. My aunt still lives here in Pinole. Oh, right on. So Pinole, the Santa Cruz Boardwalk, and Pier Thirty Nine was all I knew of the Bay Area when I was younger. Because that's what we did. We come up here, we'd hang out Pinole. And then if we wanted to go have some fun, we'd go to the the boardwalk and Santa Cruz, or we'd go to Pier 39. In fact, it the boardwalk was where I think I got the worst burn uh-huh. of my life. Went <laughs> yeah. down there, hung out on the beach, didn't put any sunscreen on, and fell asleep on the beach and just toast. I couldn't put I couldn't even put a sheet on myself for like yeah. ten days. It was so bad in fact one time the sheet stuck to me because you know you get that little oh, yeah. burned uh, sheen and i got up to uh, go to the bathroom in the morning and i just remember the sheet i was dragging the sheet with me i was like what the heck why is the sheet and it was just like <laughs> stuck to me i was like oh this is really this is so how old are you when this happened i mean is this like two probably 10 oh brutal you know? yeah, yeah. Nine, 10 somewhere around there 11 yeah i was young yeah we'd come up here my mom's sister who still is up here aunt nancy yeah Lives in Pinole. In fact, my mom was up there visiting her uh, two weeks ago. She was up there for a couple weeks. She came to visit us for a week, and she just went back to Las Vegas a couple days ago. So, yeah, we've uh, we've been coming up here for quite some time. Yeah. Um, in college, you were at Irvine first, yep. and then mm-hmm. to Arizona. Yep, Irvine, then Cerritos Junior College, and then Arizona. Do you remember the trips up here? Because I, I found some photos of uh, uh, Maples Pavilion and yep. like the old, old school uh, Bears Pavilion. I think it was Haas. Is it Haas, Haas. now? Haas. Yeah, I think it was Haas. Pavilion. When it had windows and yep. looked kind of uh-huh. like a field house. Yep. Do you have memories of all that, or does it all kind of run together? Because that's you, Steve Kerr, Bruce Frazier, Sean Elliott. Uh, Craig McMillan, yeah. who's the head coach of Santa Rosa, Santa Rosa Junior College. It seems now. like everybody moved up here. I know, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. we got uh, Craig uh, Craig Bergman, who coached Monta Vista High Football for 20 years. Mm-hmm. has been up here forever. Craig McMillan, who coaches Santa Rosa Junior College basketball, grew up here. And then he's been up here for a long time. Steve uh, Kerr is now up here coaching the Warriors. Uh, and then I've been up here for... What is it now? Thirty, almost thirty years. Yeah. I've been up here. So yeah, a lot of the, a lot of my teammates uh, have migrated up here. Some of them were raised here, and some of us like me, uh, who who moved here when I played here, and then Steve coached here. So yeah, a lot yeah. of Wildcats around here. Do you think of yourself mentally? Identify yourself as a Bay Area resident? Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's been a long time. I've, I made that transition long ago, where. I always thought I would move back to Southern California at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you come up here and you play, and but Southern California's home. And then you like it up here. It's like, I, you know, I, maybe I could stay. You know, I could stay up here. And then you have a family, and then the family kids go to school, and then they get into little league, and then all of a sudden, this is this is your home. Mm-hmm. You always think you're going to go back home. Then you realize, well, I don't have to go back home. This is my home now. Yeah, and it's been that way for a long period of time. I've never. Never even thought about going back to Southern California or anywhere else for that matter. Yeah. You must have been stoked then 
in 89 when you did you sign here you, no you i were signed with charlotte okay i went to i got drafted by charlotte yeah in the second round i played there for half a year mm. and then the second half of the year i went over to spain and played on the canary islands caja canarias i think the name of the team was and then after that i came back here and thought if i could just get into a camp somewhere Mm-hmm. And maybe stay in shape. Cause I didn't think I didn't know if I could get to the NBA that year. I thought maybe the following year, one more year overseas. But then I had a really good camp in uh, with Golden State. Got cut because they had 15 guaranteed contracts. So I got cut, and I was waiting at home to see what my agent could get me overseas. And I think a week or two into the season, Alton Lister got hurt, mm-hmm. and then they brought me back. And then I played well enough to where when Alton was healthy to come back, they cut Leonard Taylor, former Cal Bear, uh, and I stayed on the team. And that was the start of sort of my three-year run here and really kind of formally the start of my you know NBA career. The, the Charlotte, uh, it, was, it was nice playing there and getting drafted and all, but that didn't really start it. I felt like the Warriors started it for me. I was a, I'm a lifetime Warriors fan, yep. so 1988, I don't think of that as, you know, out of all the teams that were there, maybe it was 30 back then, um, that wouldn't be the one that would be my first choice. Um, And I'm a fan. Um, Did you want to play here? Was it something you were seeking? No. No, it's just a place to to go to camp. Yeah. And then when I played here, when I got to camp, I thought it would be fun to play here because Nelly was so much fun to play for because of the style that he played. I mean, it was run and gun and up and down, and he, he played small lineups, which was perfect for me. And I wasn't, I mean, I was, you know, fairly big. I was 245 pounds at that time, but I wasn't a big, monstrous bruiser like power forwards were back then. I used to like to get up and down and run, and that's what we did. So I was like, God, that'd be awesome to be able to play there. Yeah. And then I got cut, and then when I got brought back, I was like, sweet. So it was a. Uh, it was a it was a good fit for me, no doubt. Yeah, um, good first year. I mean, that must yeah. have been you know. I, I was looking through some box scores, yeah. and uh, yeah, uh, you had some games where you were starting, and I mean, you must not have even been dreaming about that coming into camp. Yeah, it was weird because when I came back, you know, I was just playing a little bit here, a little bit there, and I remember a game in Cleveland where I had I think four assists, but it was in, in limited time, and I didn't even think they were great passes they were decent passes you know uh, we ran some plays and i put it on the money and guys scored it always helps when you pass to chris mullen <laughs> you're gonna get some assists so after the game i remember nelly telling me i didn't know you could pass like that and i was like well you know i didn't think much of it it wasn't that big a deal yeah so he gained a little more trust in me a little more trust in me and then i had a game in sacramento where i played a lot i'm not sure if i started that game I may have come off the bench but i had 15 rebounds in that game i think seven offensive rebounds mm-hmm. so i did a really nice job on the boards and that was something that we needed so he gave me a little more time a little more time and the more time you get the more confidence you get the more confidence your coach has in you the more confidence you get then your teammates have confidence in you and then you know and then there were games i was starting and playing 40 minutes and 38 minutes and and having games where you know i had 24 against the rockets 27 against the spurs and another 20 point game i think and you know games you'd have 15 rebounds for it so you're like okay maybe i can do this maybe i can make a career out of this i feel like i belong and you know i can i can play with these guys i remember watching it and i was drawn to your style of play and i think your personality because we're around the same age yep. and um 
you kind of didn't lose the the kid in you no. either. Um, and it, it not just, you know, you were a great quote and, and uh, I started hearing you on Jim Rome not yeah. that long after all this, but um, you seem to play with, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. Maybe you can, but um, maybe you kind of didn't give a shit. I don't yeah. know. I was just having fun. Yeah. You know, I, did, I mean, I took it seriously, but I, I, wanted, I always want to have fun. I still want to have fun. I always say whatever I do if I can't have fun then I don't want to do it anymore yeah. and I just had a ball with those guys I mean it was such a fun team to be a part of such a fun style of of play and then being able to live in the Bay Area and all that I mean it was just awesome yeah. I mean one of my best friends Jim Peterson was on the team uh, I still talk to Chris Mullen occasionally and Mitch and Timmy and Rod Higgins all those guys I mean it was just a great group of guys probably the best group of guys I played with in the NBA like they were the closest to a college team yeah. nothing will ever be college because now guys have families and kids and stuff like that so then you're not gonna go to movies and hang out and do other stuff you did in college but it was similar to that. Like, it was as close to that as it could be. So that was just, it ended up being just a, I mean, an awesome time. And 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 led me here, and, you know, it just, everything's worked out. Yeah, I, I think, like, as a as someone who was watching it, um, I was drawn to it because it, it looked like a pickup game, except at a pro level. Yeah. And you were, like, <laughs> a big part of that. I mean, yep. you looked like someone who was just having fun out there and and happy to be there. Yeah, that was the whole team. Yeah. I mean, we had more plays than people thought, but it didn't look like it. Yeah. <laughs> it like, we just went out there, <laughs> ran around, threw the ball around, and scored 120, 130 <laughs> points. We had a few plays here and there. Yeah. It's just we didn't stop and look over at Nelly because Nelly would give Timmy a set. And he'd give the point guards a set, and it was their job to get us into it. So yeah. they didn't have to stop. We got it, and we went. And if we could score in the open court, that's exactly what we did. If we didn't do that, we'd go to early offense. Didn't do that, then we'd run the play. Yeah. It wasn't stop, look at the coach, what do you want to run? It takes all the flow out of the game, and I appreciated that about Nelly. But we had smart guys on the team that could handle all that. They could think on the fly, and it was just uh, – I mean, yeah, it was the most fun I've had playing basketball. What about off the court? Um, you already were, you know, someone who knew the Bay Area. You got that uh, horrible sunburn. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> were you building pretty good memories there and, and getting to kind of explore around here? Or do you even have time to do that? No, no, no. We went out. Uh, I hung out with Jim Peterson a lot. Uh, we were buddies. So he was single. Uh, Lori was living down in L.A. at the time studying acting. So mm-hmm. I was up here by myself for the first first year so you just go home and hang out and you know i'd go over his house a lot we'd, we'd go over his house especially at the end of the year go over his house after practice uh play video games until like four o'clock or whenever the giants game came on what's, what's, what's game. your game of choice baseball stars in. we played base, ba- we played baseball stars like all we'd have like you know big uh, is that like full nintendo seasons. 64 oh yeah it might have been sega but I'm Sega not positive. Genesis was probably just out. Could yeah. have been, but yeah. it, guys, baseball stars. It wasn't the one with the little fat dudes. I can't. That was RBI baseball. Yeah. I think we might have played that too. But baseball stars was our favorite because you make your own players. And there was one where you can you you could pitch and you could still control the ball after the pitch, so you could like make it look like a strike and then take it away. <laughs> yeah. It was like you know, it's like a magic pitcher. You it's I mean, like there's wiffle no ball. You can do that. I remember exactly. I, I played yeah. those games. Yeah. So we do that, and then we uh, cook steaks and and then watch Giants baseball. Uh, Go to the old Alameda 
a theater. Remember the old Alameda Theater over there by the water? Yeah, on now South Shore? I'm, I'm from the peninsula. Okay. But I dig around in our archive, and there was like that two screen. Oh, the thing was brutal. It, it, it actually looked like it was maybe like an old supermarket. Yeah, I, mean, I don't it, know it what it was, but it's yeah. concrete floors. Like you'd yeah. walk into the theater, it wasn't even carpet. I just remember concrete <laughs> floors and the grade going from the back row to the screen was so low that like you you you'd like if i sat in front of somebody you'd see the back of my head yeah so it it, it wasn't theater seat they at stadium seating i guess they call it it sounds like it was uh, built as a porn theater it may the have been floors. i have yeah, exactly i have no idea i, I mean I, I didn't see any like tissue dispensers or anything yeah, I, I don't goodness, think alameda so. would look uh i don't think we even have a dispensary yet, <laughs> yeah exactly so. <laughs> so that we we'd go to that occasionally uh god what else do we do i mean we spent a lot of time probably going down to to hayward because yeah. their theaters were a little bit nicer and they had uh a restaurant called casa carlita's down there that we used to go to they used to have this burrito called the monstruo i think it was 20 yeah. bucks if you eat it all you get it for free and <laughs> that way i was like why would you do that to yourself for 20 bucks why would you do that but now it's awesome being around here. I mean, yeah, it just so much has changed. But Park Street was still cool. We go down to Park Street. So you're living in Mc- Alameda. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 McGee's was still there. So you know, McGee's always been there. So you go down there, grab a couple beers, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I've lived here when I first was here. I lived in Brittany Landing over across from Harbor Bay Club. Yeah. I lived with Mark Grabo, who was a strength and conditioning coach for the Warriors at the time, because that was my first year here. Didn't have a guaranteed contract and stayed with him and then the following year i signed a a four-year deal so i lived in the same neighborhood but i moved there was a house open right across the street so i moved into that house and in the neighborhood was me molly and nelly we're all in the little neighborhood there and every once in a while around dinner time you'd look at your window (laughs) and nelly was walking his uh walking his pig he had a (laughs) pot-bellied pig (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he would take for a walk. There's Nelly walking his pig, and I'd go out there and say hi to him, pet the pig, and everything. I was like, we did. I mean, it just seemed normal. Like Nelly out there walking a pig. I think they told him he had to get rid of it because you can have pigs in Alameda or whatever. But it was a cute little pig. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it, <laughs> it cracks me up thinking about it now. And then I'd go over to Chris's house, and we probably watched Andrew Dice Clay. I don't know, a hundred times. We just watched the the, the first uh, comedy special over and over and over and over. Me, him, uh, his uh, Akita Kuma. Would come sit up there with us and watch Dice Clay. <laughs> Just yeah, those were the times. You guys were practicing. I we have some photos in the archive of you guys at uh, COA, the College of Alameda. Mm-hmm. Was that a regular spot for you? Or? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think we did it for a year, maybe uh, over there. Practiced over there. Where else did we practice? I guess we practiced the Coliseum a little bit, but mostly it's college, College of Alameda. Mm-hmm. Which I mean. Practice facilities now are a given. Everyone has great practice facilities. Back then, I mean, I was with the Clippers. We practiced at the Inglewood YMCA. We practiced at College of Alameda here. If you had a practice facility back then, actually, you were probably pretty lucky. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, you go back. The Warriors, when they came to San Francisco, um, they would practice at USF. When USF wasn't using it, otherwise, they were at, like, Lincoln High. Yeah. I mean, they practice i think up at the mormon temple did at they one really point. yeah you talk to art spander you get all the history but um so were you at, the, at this time um 
were you thinking about broadcast at all? Was that something? I remember no. you were a good quote. Yeah. I remember you showing up on Rome while you were still playing. I did. Yeah. When I was playing with the Clippers, usually that's when I first started. Um, as a journalist, like you know, like Draymond Green, it's perfect because you show up to him and it's almost like he's got the sixth sense that he knows my story and what I need, and he mm -hmm. sort of is almost working in collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> and. I'm feeling like you kind of had that talent too. I mean, you were good with a quote and, and good with the media. At what point were you thinking like, well, maybe maybe this might be a something that I do later on? Probably when I was playing with the Clippers, and I used to go on uh, Jim's show uh, mm. occasionally. I called him up one time, and we we're actually just talking football, and mm. I wanted to talk football with him. Were and you calling up just like it, a caller? Yeah, I like, just called like, up like a caller, and I told him who like I was. Jim from Well, the funny <laughs> story was I called them and told them who I was. Yeah. And they had their screener ask me a few questions so they could verify whether I was indeed Tom Tolbert. And then finally, after the second question... I what said, kind of questions do they ask you I forget where they ask you. Where were yeah. you born? Yeah. Uh, who'd you play for? Yeah. Like, what colleges did you play for? Who was your coach at Irvine? After the second question, I said, look, who's going to call up and say they're me? <laughs> <laughs> so after that point, they just put me on. <laughs> and uh, I called Jim probably, I don't know, maybe once a month, uh, Sometimes more frequently if something happened. Yeah. Clippers hated it. They didn't, because he Jim used to crack them mercilessly, and I didn't care because I wasn't playing anyway. Well, the facilities, I've heard you describe them on the radio. Brutal. The facilities were horrible. Brutal. It was like a it was like a middle school bathroom. Yeah, and know. the team was terrible. Yeah. I mean, just everything about it was terrible. I mean, it's not surprising. Sterling uh, run operation was terrible. So that's that's where it started, and I thought, you know what? This might be kind of fun if I could... If I could pull off something like this, it would be a nice transition from basketball to being able to talk sports for a living since that's what I do. I watch sports and talk sports. Whether you know I get paid for it or not, I'd be talking sports. So that's that's where it started. Yeah. Um, you had a few more years after that, though. And uh, um, how did KMBR come up? I, I remember you, the first time I heard you, I'd heard you on Rome, and then... I'm working down in LA and every once in a while I'd get an assignment over to like Santa Clarita or something. I could pick up the mm -hmm. KMBR signal and then it just suddenly you showed up on Barbieri, yeah. <laughs> which I think about that now, you know, usually the new guy, they put him on like, you know, late night sports line yeah. with, you know, 10 to one in the morning or yeah. some new show on 1050 or something. You came right into drive time. I did. Yeah. I did. I mean, they tried me out just to see, I guess, if they liked me or not. I think I was on uh, late night one time with, God, what was his name? I know his on-air name was Salsa. Salsman, I think his name was. <laughs> I don't even remember. Uh, Andrew I, I Salsman, I think. Yeah. I've heard from him and his partner not that long ago, a year or so ago. But anyway, so I was on with him. I think I was on with the King for like a segment or uh, maybe like three days. I don't know if I was on with Fitz at all. That didn't that didn't ring a bell. But yeah, it was funny. I was on with everybody but Ralph, mm -hmm. and Ralph was the guy they put me with. Well, I Ralph guess was probably just, telling him not to put yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Because you know? Ralph's like, "Well, how am I going to do my interviews? I can't do my interviews <laughs> yeah. if this guy's here." But uh, it, it, I guess they they figured Ralph needs somebody. We need to you know shorten the interviews up, be a little more you know fast paced, and and hit topics here and hit topics there i don't know what they saw but or what they thought they were going to get but it was like almost perfect from day one yeah. it really was i mean it took a little while although ralph asked me the first show first show ralph's like do you think oj did it 
like, what are you talking about? He goes, I got to know. I can't work with you if you don't. I'm like, of course he did it. And he goes, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's so Ralph. So Ralph. So funny. Well, I just, I remember as a listener that, you know, Ralph and, and Radnich, like, you know, they built that station. I yes. mean, it was just, and, and then all of a sudden you're on there. Um, uh, how long did it take for you to get in the groove? Was it pretty much instant? I felt like it was pretty good from the get-go. I mean, it got better, obviously, but I just felt like he accepted me. Yeah. Like I, I don't think he wanted to do it, but then when he saw what I was about, I wasn't there to steal any of the spotlight. I just wanted to show up and have a good time and laugh. And, and really, he liked to laugh, too, as much as anybody. I mean, yeah. he could be serious. And he could ask the tough questions, but he always told me, he goes, I didn't, it's not like I want to do this. I just feel like I need to do it. And I don't like, he goes, I don't like when people insult my intelligence. So I'm going to ask the question. If I don't get the answer that I want, then I'm going to ask it another way and see if I can get the answer. But it wasn't like he went into interviews relishing the fact that he was going to needle somebody, but he just felt like that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I have to do. And he did it. But he also liked to have fun, and he also liked to laugh a lot too. And we're a lot more alike than people think. Like we, we come to the same conclusion on just about everything. Mm-hmm. I always say we took different roads getting there, but we always ended up at the same destination for the most part. Uh, it was just—I mean, it was awesome. It was, I, I, every partner I've worked with, I've had a great time with, but nothing will ever be like that. That was like 15 years of like that. I, you could put that up against any show. I think ever in the Bay Area for a fifteen year run and it will stand the test of time. I remember the first time a uh, long time ago I was a courtroom reporter and you guys had me on to talk about some survivor lawsuit. And at the end of it I just started gushing. Like a lot of the things that I'm saying to you on this, you know, thirty minute podcast, except condensed into like fifteen seconds yeah. really fast. Like <laughs> I used to listen to you. Da, da, da. Yeah. And my mom, I called her up. Yeah. And I, I was just saying how I'd listened to both of you and loved your show. It was my favorite show and and my mom actually called me up. She'd been listening and go, you kissed Razor and Tom Tolbert's ass. On the, I mean, she was like chiding me for like, you know, not keeping my cool when I was on the radio with you guys. That's funny. Um, yeah, great show. Uh, uh, I think you got a great gig now, though. Yeah. Um, I, I think your time, it shifted a little bit. Two to it's six, a, yeah, instead of three to seven, yeah. Real good time. Yeah, and then perfect. you got Warriors games now. I'm not even going to ask you how that happened. Yeah. But <laughs> on the game, the competing station, yeah. we can hear you again. And, and uh, uh, it's got to feel pretty good now with, your, with, with that shift and being able to kind of be part of the Warriors. It again. does. I, I just, it, it was something I wanted to get back to just because I have so much fun working with Tim. Uh, he's just, he's a blast. He really is. And it's, you know, I missed it for three years. You know, everybody's like, oh, we missed, you know, missed the championships. I was like, I don't even, that, that wasn't even really part of it. It was fun going through that the first time they won their championship and being in Cleveland when they won, but it was really the people. It was, it was Steve being the head coach which is a huge part of why I'm doing it. Just because I like, I like seeing him occasionally and talking with him and just being over there and he, watching him coach is fun. Working with Tim is great. It's just a great or- – I, I mean, I just really like the organization. I like the people in the organization. So mm-hmm. it's something that I wanted to get back to, to doing. And if I couldn't, well, then I couldn't. Like the first time I couldn't do it. I'm like, okay. And I made it, I've always made it perfectly clear to everybody, KMBR is my number one priority, yeah, period. Yeah. And 
if I have to give it up, then I'll give it up. I didn't want to, but I did. And this time around, uh, you know, can be our, uh, our program director, uh, Jeremiah Crow, uh, Doug Harville, who was the, I don't know what the hell he is over there. He's a, he's, he's more important than me. He's, he's, he's up the food, food chain, but they were, they were nice enough to sit down with me and make this thing work. Yeah, and I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to be doing it again. It's fun. I enjoy it. I, I love hearing you and you say about the championships with broadcast. I'd rather listen to uh, like Crook and Kipe when the team's bad. Yeah. I'd rather <laughs> listen to John Miller during a rain delay. And I think you and Tim Roy are great with this kind of young group. Yeah. You have a little when it's not when every game isn't. You know, you're you're in the middle of a 20 game win streak or something. You can let it breathe a little bit and have fun and kind yeah. of get your personality out there a little more. Yeah. Well, yeah. when when they're winning, it's fun, but it's the same thing over and over and over again. Like yeah. that's the one thing about the Warriors. I said they kind of sucked the drama out of the seasons because they were so good. They were just so talented. You knew where they was going to end up. It was going to end up in the Western Conference Finals, probably the finals, and a good chance of winning it. This year is interesting because there's a bunch of stories. How's this thing going to play out? What's Russell going to end up looking like? Is he going to be here at the end of the year? Might they trade him? Is Pascal going to keep improving like he is? What about Jordan Poole, their first-round pick? How's he going to do? Uh, is Draymond going to be able to keep his cool with this young young core, even though they're not they're not winning and he's used to winning? And so far, I think he's done a hell of a job. He's had a couple nights where he's just he hasn't really been there, but he's I think he's done a phenomenal job leading these guys, teaching these guys. Uh, and they're playing hard, and they're playing, you know, they've been playing uh, uh, better as of late. So I just think it's kind of fun watching these guys. And then it's like, okay, how do all these guys fit in when Steph and Clay come back? It feels almost like, you know, you're in college, and um, and then you take a year off and go to the Peace Corps. And, like, it doesn't matter, <laughs> yeah. you know? And then, and then like, you're going to come back to college the next year. But, yeah. you know, you're not going to stress about a lot. You know, you're kind of just bettering yourself. And they I, got, they, they, they well, they got a definite... Uh, this is a grace period this year. After yeah. five years in the finals, I went in three years, and and what came before that, it was like that was one of the greatest runs in NBA history that they put together. So it's like okay, and everybody gets it too. Yeah, it's not like the the Knicks or other teams who are like, God, when is this going to end? We know when this is going to end. It's going to end when Steph and Clay come back. Yeah. When are they going to come back? They're going to come back next year. So will they be as good? Not as good as they were during the five year stretch. But they're going to be in the mix again next year, and that I think that helps people get over like this year. It's like okay, we understand what happened this year, why it happened this year, and we understand it's not going to happen next year. I mean, unless injuries happen, you never know about that. But this is this is a team that will be back to winning fifty plus games again next year, no doubt. I, I speak on behalf of every Warriors fan who got like the four chips, four hot dogs, and four tickets for like. Thirty dollars. We're not stressing about it. This is all, you know, house Everybody money right now. <laughs> well, I want to. I want to get a couple, uh, couple things before we close. Yeah. Um, first of all, we talked a little bit about Alameda, but yeah. uh, you continue to live here. Mm -hmm. Likes and dislikes about Alameda. Well, the one dislike I have with Alameda, and this is growing up in Southern California, is I wish it was. Five to ten degrees warmer during the summer. <laughs> I'm an eighty guy. Like yeah. I, eighty is my like perfect temperature. For some, it's a little warm. Uh, I like eighty because that's what summer was growing up in in Southern California. Here, summer is like seventy two. It's yeah. like, man, I, can we just get to eighty? Just get to eighty. Uh, so that's about the only thing 
that I dislike, and it's not a huge dislike. I and mean, that's not Alameda's fault. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's not Alameda's fault. It's just where you're at. I remember playing golf over at the uh, Olympic Club when I first started playing here, and went over there, and I think I wore like sweats, and because you had to wear long pl- pants, I'm like, how can I wear long? That's why I don't, I don't play at places. So you got to wear long pants. I'm like, get out of here. And then I just had a short sleeve, you know, collared golf shirt on over there. Yeah. 59 degrees in August. I'm like, 59? I go, what is going on here? And then, of course, you know, everyone will tell you the first time they go to the stick, it's like you just, oh, it's a beautiful day out. Let's go to the stick. And then by the 30, it's like, I got to get out of here. Or I got to go watch the game inside at a bar somewhere, like inside the stadium. I can't stay out here. You learn that real quick here in the Bay Area. Layering is always always important. It seems like you're always fighting it, because whenever I see you in a photo, you're in shorts anyway. I, yeah, that's like... all I wear. <laughs> that's all I wear. But that's really the only thing about Alameda. And again, it's, you're right. It's not Alameda's fault. But it has, I mean, the restaurants here I love. It's gotten so much better. I love the restaurants. So my here, wife's yeah. been a teacher here for 20 years, and when we started, before we were married even, and, and we would go to, uh, there were like two restaurants you would even go to, you know, and, and uh, oh, it's gotten so yeah. much better. There's a bunch of places I haven't tried yet. So, yeah, I mean, to me, the restaurant scene's great. Yeah. I love uh, I love the fact I can get Italian, I can get Thai, I can get Indian food, I can get whatever here in Alameda, and it's not that... Not that far away. I think the diversity is is the key. Underrated. It like, is. I moved from Oakland and Alameda. It I did wasn't that much different with diversity and economic diversity too. There's still kind of this group of people, working class, that are here from when mm-hmm. it was a Navy city. Yep. You know. Yeah. And then you look at the the ethnic diversity, which is. I think it's a great place to bring your kids up in because it exposes them to a bunch of different, a bunch of different environments, uh, a, a bunch of different. How do I put it? Uh, cultural. I'm looking for the word, not finding it, but I just I, I I think it's, you know, it's better than growing up all around the same people with the same thought process. I think it's it that that part of Alameda I really really like. I like to, they, they kind of hang on to, you know, you've got that 4th of July parade that goes yeah, for exactly. like four miles. <laughs> <It really does. laughs> I, I, I was my, uh, the Lum Bears, I was the bear mascot. Were you? I volunteered to do that for the parade, okay. and I didn't really, like, visualize how long this parade was. I was dying by <laughs> the end, but you, like, can't take your head off because there's little kids watching. Exactly. Um, but I, I love that the downtown, I grew up in Burlingame, and mm-hmm. Burlingame, half of it was middle class when I was growing up and, and the downtown was like a bunch of mom and pop shops and yep. you go there now and there is nothing left from that time. Alameda, like I feel like everything's left. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there going like, how is that guy who repairs watches even making money? I know. You know? I mean, <laughs> so uh, I dig it. No, it's very cool. Yeah. It's very cool. And you almost feel like, cause, cause from the house, to the freeway is about 10 minutes. Mm. So you feel like you're close. Like It only takes me 30 minutes to get to the city when I'm going to work, uh, uh, barring traffic, 30 to 40. But you feel like because it takes you those 8, 10 minutes off the freeway, you feel like you're away from it 
a little bit, you know, out here by the water, and there's great walking trails. I mean, you can you can go walk around the island here, just Harbor Bay. That's like a seven mile walk all the way around. And then there's like a, all, all kinds of waterways, lagoons to walk by. So the walking trails are super cool too. So I mean, it's just a, it's just a great place to live. Yeah, I the one thing that that surprised me was I, I came from Oakland. I thought I'm always going to be going over to Oakland and San Francisco. I almost saw it as a positive. Yeah. I ride my bike, I bike to the ferry, and then take the ferry in and bike to the Chronicle. Um, on a weekend, like, I don't leave the island. Yeah, I like, know, like Almost I. like as a rule, like I'm afraid to. <laughs> like, I've become this, you know. Um, the only thing I want, though, is I can see, I can see the Chase Center. If I walk out 100 yards of the water, I can see the Chase Center. So when I have games uh, on the weekend... Uh-huh. I really want one time I want to get like a jet ski and just go to the game <laughs> on a jet ski. Just go from my house to the game. I go I can go from right here and I can shoot straight across to the Chase Center. I go that'd be so awesome. Well, uh we'll get that in your next contract. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I love it here. Once they put the target in here, it was like I don't have to leave. Yeah, there you yeah, go. I'm good. I got everything. There you go. Um all right, so bad segue, yeah. but I just wanted to finish with Manute Bowl. Yeah. Um, I'm about to write a little tribute. And, okay. Uh, just, as a fan, it was a real fun time to be a Warriors fan, that whole era. But the Manute Bowl part of it was just this weird thing that I look back and I'm reading the stories, and it almost seems like it's unreal because yeah, it's surreal. You were there, though. I was. Um, I got the Manute Bowl file the in Manute front of you. The file. In case it <laughs> jogs any memories. Um, every photo of him is frameable. I mean, they're just... What's well, hilarious because you look at him and I'm just looking at one of him and Mark West and Mark West for the Phoenix Suns is a big man and Mark West barely comes up to his waist. <laughs> I mean, Manute is so big. I mean, maybe a little bit of an optical illusion based on where Mark was, but I mean, Manute would make real, real big people look really short. Yeah, I mean seven seven dunk without jumping. It was pretty incredible stuff. How did he? How did he handle that? I mean, you you talk on KMBR about how you're at a concert or you're at a movie. You kind of hunch down and you feel, you know, you, you must feel self conscious. You're yeah. six seven. Um, this man's seven foot seven. I mean, six you know, eight. Don't cheat me. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. It says six seven in the Chronicle. I I'm, know it always is. They I, cheated me I'm too. Come on, by, Chronicle. I'm, I'm going go. by Art Spander. We'll have a, <laughs> words with him. Uh, how was Manute? Because he he came to San Francisco and immediately did this great photo session with the cable cars, you know, and just he seemed to like people and like being around. And he was good most of the time. Most of the time, uh, Newt was good because look, we used to have to fly. Uh, 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 what would we fly? I guess we'd fly United. So we didn't get a chance to fly charters until probably my second year. Mm. I want to say my second year with the Warriors. So we weren't flying charters. So you walk through the airport. And when you walk through the airport and you see a guy 7'7", seven, seven, everyone's stopping and staring. Mm. And I think he handled that about as well as he could. But every once in a while in the morning... Like we'd have to get up and take the earliest flight. That was the NBA rule. If you had a game that day, you had to fly out as early as you, as early as you could. Wow, Manute and Kareem, look at that. <laughs> so, but you know, you're up late after a game. You got to get up early. You're not feeling like dealing with people. And every once in a while, someone would come and ask him for an autograph in the morning. And <laughs> it was too much. He would look at him. What are you? You want autograph? You want an autograph? 
give me your pen. Give me the pen. And then he'd, they'd walk away and he'd go, fucking Americans. <laughs> and we'd just start cracking up. <laughs> it didn't happen often. He was usually very nice with everybody. But I was like, man, this guy. I mean, think about the guys that usually get noticed are the guys that are the best players. Uh-huh. Manu wasn't the best player. He just got noticed because he was 7'7". Sure. And when you're seven seven, you're always seven seven. So you're always going to get noticed because people are like, "Well, what do you do? You got to be a basketball player. You got to be a basketball player. What do you do? You know?" Then you get to the dumb. Is it raining up there? And all that. I mean, I had to think of all that stuff he had to deal with that that I have to deal with. But I'm a foot, basically a foot shorter than than Minute. So I think for for all the attention he received, he handled it about as well as someone someone could. See a good hang. I mean, this is someone. He was. He loved to play pool. Him and Mully played pool all the time. He'd probably have epic. Because he was relatively uh, new stories. to the USA, and yeah. I, I'm just reading his quotes. It sounds like he was still in a little bit of a state of culture shock. Yeah. I, I, one story I wasn't there for. I wish I was there for. Was at a party over at Manu's, ha- Manu's house, and they cooked a pig in his fireplace, <laughs> which is something I was like, God, did I miss that? Uh, but the story I was there for that was my favorite Manute story of all time. Which they, earlier on I was talking about different cultures, talking about a different culture. He was we're at his house, me, him, and Chris, and we're just you know shooting the shit, telling stories. And he drinks Heineken, so that's all he drank was Heineken. Yeah, and he's sitting in his chair and finishes his Heineken and asks me if I want another beer. And now it wasn't done with mine. So I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good right now. So he goes, okay. So says something to his wife. And I think it was in native language, maybe not. And he holds his hand out. Like he's talking and he holds his hand up. So he raises his hand up, elbows on the armrest. And she comes over and takes slides the beer out of his hand. <laughs> like his hand is a, is a, is a, you know, yeah. a cup holder. She goes into the kitchen. He leaves his hand there, curled, and she comes back in and slides the new beer into his hand, and then he starts drinking again. Wow! <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, that's not well, happening in my house, like, Tom. I, I told yeah. Manute, I go, if I tried that, I, I'd have a busted <laughs> bottle over my head, and then I'd have to go get my own beer. I go, Are you kidding me? And your wife Lori is delightful. Yeah, yeah. I need to mention <laughs> my wife uh, at Alameda High knows her, and I, I told her. When I saw her, my wife puts your wife in the Mount Rushmore of parents who have come to Alameda High in the she's, last twenty years. She's awesome. Yeah, she's awesome. I can't imagine many many have done more yeah. than what she's done over the stretch. She's uh, she's been pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I just remember as a fan watching him, and you know, we weren't thinking about championships. We wanted to be entertained. So the combination of Run TMC and then Minute yeah. was just. And the Great threes, entertainment. The threes that it would jack up there were yeah. were incredible. And the I call it the space hook. I don't even know what that thing was. He'd just throw it up. And I think Nelly would just let him shoot occasionally just because he did all the other stuff. So he'd let him shoot. And then if he hit one, he could shoot, you know, another one. And we'd go to practice every once in a while. Mm. And Nelly would give the ball to Manute. And he'd say, here, shoot a three. If you make it, practice is over. <laughs> and we'd all be going, come on, Manute. And every once in a while, he'd hit it. Like, see, ya, we're out of here. No practice. No practice today. All right. Well, one thing people don't know about him, something about him, his personality, anything that, that you know, people kind of hear the stories. But uh... Boy, that's a good question. Manute and I hung out. I don't know if I know anything that people wouldn't know yeah. uh, about him. 
But I guess the one thing is he never got dunked on. Even if he did get dunked on, he'd always blame somebody else. <laughs> Didn't happen often, but every once in a while, when he would get dunked on, he'd blame somebody else for, for, for not rotating or not helping or playing bad defense. And it was just like, dude, you just got dunked on. It's not that big a deal. But for him, it was a massive deal. I don't know if it was a pride thing, like he's 7'7", and he used to... T- <laughs> He'd tell people if, if they tried to challenge him and he'd block their shot, he'd look at him and go, you don't have cable? <laughs> <laughs> we just start cracking up. It's like, it's so funny. Like, you're out there playing a game and obviously everybody's serious and you're trying to win, but we all had a lot of fun and, and Manu, Manu was funny. Uh, Manu was funny. I'm not even sure if he was trying to be funny, but he was funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the uh, Manute stories. Uh, I appreciate you letting me into your home. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Go, go Alameda. Alameda, <laughs> absolutely, all the way. Look, I've started you on a new path. Yeah, there you go. You're not going to go outside Alameda to do interviews anymore. No. Podcasts. No. Who Who else? We got Rado. We got Rado. A few others. I could just start going through like city council members and. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how interesting that's going to be to everybody outside of Alameda, but it'll be easier for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, the checks keep coming. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be fine. Everybody, go, who's this person? Are you yeah. kidding me? Talk to. I don't want to hear from this person. Alameda will be locked in, though. Definitely. Um, sincerely, I've greatly enjoyed your career. Yeah, thanks, and Peter. I'm looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to what's next. And uh, great to hear you on the Warriors. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate it, man. All right. I'm glad you came over and it was a good time. Thanks, man. Next time you have to do it uh, like after five, it'll be happier. Then we get a beer. Oh, nice. Doing it. All right. I got there invited you. back. There you go. Right. Part right. two. Definitely. <laughs> thanks, Tom. Yeah, Peter. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guest, Tom Tolbert. Our producer today is me, Peter Hartlob. Supervising producers are King Kaufman and Tim O'Rourke, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Read all our Total SF coverage and subscribe to the Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com slash totalsf.